This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends. Um, I am just wanting to welcome you this afternoon. We are having a very, very special guest on our program this afternoon, and she is Pendra Dissel. And we had a couple of weeks ago with her interesting story about the fact that she has been through so many trials and tribulations, and she is very well known in the entertainment industry. And she has now sold out for Jesus Christ, stepping in to her now new commission as a missionary on her way to um, absolutely going to be uh, into Israel. And she will be sharing her special remarkable journey through the going through so many trials and tribulations. But today we are going to discuss her miraculous journey through cancer. But first and foremost, we are going to listen to Casting Crown's Life Song. You're listening to Rise on Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on my program called Rise, and I am Renette Myberg, and yes, we have got a very special guest back on my program this afternoon. We had her a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Pendra, thank you so much for joining us. I really felt that we needed to invite you again, because you've had such a colorful, interesting, powerful testimony from one, you know, from two different kinds of worlds. That you've been in and but today we're going to concentrate on the cancer side of your journey of life how are you doing hi hi renee so lovely to talk to you i'm good i'm good <laughs> beautiful rainy day where i am and um yeah life is good oh fantastic fantastic so pendra you know um we spoke about your other journey but i would like you just to you know maybe just give us a little bit of a background on you know your interesting journey from being so famous and well-known in the entertainment industry and and now you sold out for Jesus Christ stepping into a new commission as a missionary for him and you're on your way to Israel one of these days so um, yes. please just give us a little bit of a background how you got to this point in your life well I definitely wasn't famous but I definitely did believe I was important and I think my importance was misplaced because in God of course we are magnificent and valuable but in the worldly system you know I certainly in in the book I'm writing I wrote there that on the day I traveled to Durban to go and film a shoot on a beach with lions I you know was in business class because my ticket said miss important you know I really did believe that success lay it was the answer was the recipe money success the worldly trappings were really the answer for a successful life or the recipe for a successful life and I think you know often when one gives one's background, we talk about geographics, we talk about places we've lived, um, heritage, etc. And I want this morning to talk more about the home I grew up in, which was, 
you know, I call it the second womb because mm-hmm. it was in that home, in that family, that I was steeped in the influences that would shape my life, you know. Mm-hmm. And the author, there's a secular author called Joan Didion who says we are well advised to remain on speaking terms with the people we used to be. And I think that part of healing is so much about self-compassion, is recognizing that who we were at certain times in our lives is not who we still can become, and that we can learn and we can, we can find our way to, to, to our promised land. And that really should spell hope for anybody who's struggling with cancer or who believes it's their birthright, because it's absolutely not. You know, society has normalized sickness to such a degree that we are deceived in believing that it's our, it's an end, that it's in our genetics, that it's the way things should be. And that's not what God says. You know, God says he, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he wants to get truth into the inmost parts. So I grew up steeped, literally marinated in in a in a home where social standing held the highest priority and all the values and beliefs and thinking patterns and prejudices re- revolved around social standing and you know it's taken me years to forgive my mother and to get to a point of deep compassion for her really and that's important in healing forgiveness we know but particularly you know God says train your children in the way they should go so I was exposed to my parents unresolved issues you know and I carried their wounds inside them you know and grew up in a environment where fear and dread really was the order of the day and I can see now that because my mother placed emphasis on the externals my sister and I were called to be two good little girls and when we weren't good little girls we were bad little girls. So we lived in the contrast of our mother's um, experience of us and how it impacted her life. And we both learned conditional love. We learned that if we served my mother's needs, we were loved. Then in her eyes, we would see the expression of enjoyment and love. And of course, that beautiful, shining smile that every child looks for for from a mother. And if we were bad, we were severed, we were cut out. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, set up an enormous competitive um, relationship between my sister and myself. But I think most importantly, and this relates to cancer, there was this, a rule of silence in our home, emotional yes. silence. We were not allowed to feel our feelings. And, you know, once emotions I've come to learn over the years are, of course, our GPS. They tell us so much about how we're experiencing the world and what feels right and wrong to us. Later, I learned that our emotions are also enormously connected to our immune system. And I deeply believe that a suppression of emotions will impact illness and even go as far as to say, be the cause of illness. So, you know, I left that home without a solid foundation under my feet. In other words, there was no internal sense of being loved. There was no internal sense of being, of belonging. You know, I was a time bomb 
ticking. And at the same time, I was intelligent and eloquent and had the the grace. God had given me the grace of beauty. So I was able to go and trade with those things, Mm. not recognizing, you know, that I was actually trading with, 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 with areas that held no enduring value, you know. And in the end, in my book, I write, we are all on the run, really, trying to escape the pesky wounds that lie within us. They may be suppressed for a while, but what needs to be heard will not be silenced. Instead, our unresolved issues activate, and like heat-seeking missiles, we gravitate to familiar fugitives, only to find they also trade in pain. And so I moved through life seeking success, and I became enormously successful. I was in meetings and film and advertising, and I pursued that success. You know, I'd really, my mother being mummy's little helper, her perfect little good girl, served me in the business field, you know, and because I was brilliant at performance, at doing my job at, you know, um, attracting clients. I traveled the world. I ended up with a 32 million rand company. I had all the externals from cars to homes to everything you can possibly imagine. And, you know, I adored the aesthetics of life, and that's what I believed mattered. Yet underneath that all, I was always an authentic human being. And no matter the success I achieved, my sister was always a mirror of the dread that lay back in my past. Because sadly, from the age of 22, she became a heroin addict. So my success for her was a reflection of her failure. And her addiction was almost a beckoning back into the darkness of our home. And I remember years later when I came to the Lord looking at our family tree, you know, I sat down and in the generations there was addiction, alcoholism, you know, there was divorce, there was adultery, there was murder even. I've got an uncle who's, who was murdered. And all these things, thankfully not murder, oh passed down. And when I looked at my mother's uh, life, cancer, adultery, addiction, uh, uh, not, uh, not addiction, sorry, divorce, um, financial loss, etc., between the generations and my mum's life, It was repeating in my life. Mm. It was repeating in my life. And in the Bible, the Lord says Mm. that that he will he he, that the third and fourth generation will feel the impact of iniquity. So you know, as I went on, I got married. Um, I mean, it was such a good life. I'd drive through Cape Town streets in my TT with the roof off and my parrot on the, re- the, w- the wheel, and I loved it. I loved business. And then sadly, in 2001, I um, left my husband. I met a man on a beach in Durban while I was doing a film shoot, and literally, you know, in my book I say that as his eyes locked onto mine, I stepped off a cliff into the arms of a rogue who carried kryptonite in his heart, cocaine in his pocket, and a kiss in his fist. 
You know, and this is where how do we bear it when we blow up our own lives? You know, it's, yes. that's why the Lord never yes. wants us to blame because it's so easy to point our fingers and say, well, but they did it, Your Honor. Whereas in my case, I started making it. I, I walked out of my marriage, broke a covenant, which the Lord places enormous weight on Mm. and I then stepped into a relationship with a man that I was seriously warned against who was sadly an adulterer abusive and somebody who led me into the deepest deception but part of healing was saying Lord in the you know when I came to the Lord in 2016 um, having never known him before never, ever known anything to do with God before. I needed to say to him, but Lord, I was present at every choice and every regret. And confession and repentance became the key to start moving towards healing. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I tumbled. The foundation cracked. The the, uh, tower toppled. And I tumbled into 16 years of addiction, um, a massive alcohol problem, and of course, I lost everything, everything. All the glittering, shining accessories of my life were gone. I lost my family um, over three consecutive years. My sister died of a drug overdose in the end. My mother of cancer, my stepfather of 35 years of Alzheimer's. I lost my reputation. I lost my possessions. I lost my business. I lost everything. And then I lost my health, of course, you know, and that leads us to talk about cancer. And, you know, I think that when I go back to the influences in life, you know, my internal foundation was cracked. I longed to be loved. I longed to belong. I longed to be trusted and trusting. And I pursued my broken father. You know, I pursued him in the arms of broken men, really believing that if I could find him, it would all be okay. You know, and I spent a life looking for his love. And then thankfully, I met my heavenly father, you know, and I think that he places that seed in us, that beautiful seed that longs for life, that tree of life. Yes, yes, Pendra. And um, we're going to continue with the cancer story straight after this break. We're going to listen to I Belong to You. Is this not so relevant for our conversation today? The fact that we belong to him by Bethel Music. And, you know, we just want to encourage you, uh, 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 family and friends, that, you know, this is a program where we don't have self-condemnation or anything like that, but there's self-realization and responsibility that we actually have towards ourselves and to the decisions and the choices that we make. And that, yes, and that we are often operating in default and sometimes, you know, by choices and by default. But praise the Lord for the fact that he is so kind to us and he so loved us before we loved him. So I just want to encourage you, family and friends, that we are, you know, this is a journey that might you might be able to relate to and you might just be able to say, yes, that was me at one point. And we've all got colorful pasts and uh, journeys. And, you know, we know that, that God is the ultimate one that sets our paths straight. So, but first of all, we're going to listen 
listen to I Belong to You by Bethel Music. And then we're going to continue this conversation straight afterwards. Thank you, Pendra, for being so um, transparent and so t- so profoundly true uh, to yourself. Oh, so we will, we will join you straight after this. But first, we're going to listen to Bethel Music. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and staying with us. Uh, we have got such a privilege, you know. I just want us to be encouraged that we've got a WhatsApp line. It's 081-729-1657. You're welcome to join, chat to us and comment and get to know us a little bit better. And our telegram number is exactly the same. But this afternoon, we've we have such a privilege of having Pendra Dissel on my program again. Uh, Pendra, thank you so much for sharing your journey up until now. But I really need to know now that you have discovered that you've got cancer, what was your personal response and actions mm. in this time that gave gave you, you know, from the beginning to, to the end, if you can give us just a, a brief uh, coverage on that. Yes, well, I'm into my 10th year of remission, so that's a big shout-out. Praise of the hope. Lord. Um, so we're tracking back to two, 2013, where, you know, I felt that out of the blue, this diagnosis um, shot through my life like a flaming arrow. You know, I developed a really bad pain in my left-hand ribs, and I had a cough at the time, so I was convinced... It was simply the cough, and it increased and increased. And I'd never been a sickly person. I'd definitely been a fearful person, which I hid very well behind a confident um, mask. But at a meeting in the waterfront, it got so bad that I literally drove through to the Tamworth Cliff doctor medical rooms, and I said to this doctor I met, you know, I've got a pain. I think it's from my cough. And within, you know, the minute he had, he had seen me, he said to me, I need to send you off to the mediclinic for a scan. And so you can imagine the pace is already picking it up. And I'm thinking, what? I find myself in the, um, on the scanner bed and a young girl is scanning my ribs and she says, I just need to call the doctor. And again, you can imagine this is fast forwarding. And in a doctor walks who examines me and says to me, my dear, you're about to go on a journey. And from that moment, my life changed. And I think we don't realize how precious life is. And, mm-hmm. you know, within, within, a, um, within a week or two, I developed pain in my stomach that was so bad that I was then in a hospital being morphine was being administered to me, and they did a biopsy on my spleen. They, prior to the biopsy, said that they felt that I either had an infection, TB, or lymphoma. And, of course, after the biopsy, you know, and I talk about how in my book I talk about, which is so not written yet, by the way, I talk about how... walking into that hospital that day felt like a scene in a sci-fi movie. You know, the click-click of my sharp heels hitting the linoleum floor and a doctor telling me, you've got lymphoma of the spleen and and stomach cancer. You've got stage four cancer. 
and it's it's like you you freeze you know anybody who's received news that is life threatening and deep losses in life you freeze mm-hmm. and very quickly i uh, you know the appointment was made immediately to see the oncologist and within oh a week or two i was in the fertility lymphoma section scheduled to do my first chemo which would be the first of almost a year's worth of chemo and normally you go into the day clinic and in this case um and i didn't have god in my life at this stage at all in this case the oncologist put me into a room and administered the chemo and the and a clot went from my lung to my heart yeah and i woke up in the icu yes and i've been I then spent Eight weeks, mm. yeah. So you know, I spent eight weeks in a hospital ward, where and with my second chemo, they shaved my hair, and my lungs failed, my liver failed, everything was failing. Yes. And I mean, now with this perspective, I have of God, and the understanding and belief I have in God, and the understanding of spiritual warfare. You know, I can recognize these attacks on my life were so extreme and a couple even came in to pray and I asked them to go away for mm. I knew nothing of God and I had no interest. And I must say, I, you know, for anybody who's been through cancer or deep losses in life, because cancer is a deep loss. Yes. It's a deep loss of the hopes and dreams. It's a deep loss of identity. Identity. It has tremendous grief attached to it, yeah. and an enormous sense of alienation, and an regrets. enormous sense of oh yes, of powerlessness. Mm. You know, and if I look back at it, it didn't come out of the blue. You know, it came in 2013. In 2001, I made a catastrophic choice to leave my marriage, and I broke a covenant, and I then moved through years. Of transgressing God morally, yes, and now you know the cost of moral transgression, the cost of a fist against my body, the cost of unexpressed grief as I lost my family, and the cost of suppressing my emotions with drugs and alcohol, because mm. that's the only way I knew how to deal to with the fear I had. So. You know, it, it was. It's. I see it as the fruit of those years, and you know, I, I was put onto heavy psychiatric drugs. I was bone thin. I couldn't walk. My legs got affected, and I remember, you know, at this stage, I was still living with the man that I'd left my husband for. There was still abuse going on. I wasn't working. He worked all day, and I was alone all day in the home, from four o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And I, I used to wrap myself in heavy blankets. I'd lost my family by this point, so mm-hmm. I, and I was very estranged from my community because of the choices I'd started yes. making. So it was a time of deep, deep loneliness. And I remember getting on my knees one night beside my bed. We were in separate bedrooms at this stage, and and saying, you know, I have no idea who you are. But I need to ask you to help me, and that was 2013. And you know, it it was a horrific, horrific period. I remember I lying imagine. on the bed, looking out the door, you know, seeing the butterflies, my little dog sitting with me, and just a sense 
of utter isolation. Mm. And when I saw my oncologist two weeks ago and or three weeks ago, she said to me, you know, I'm, I'm not calling you back next year for a checkup. I'm, I'm giving you a total discharge. And <laughs> the so staff sang. And, I saw you know, when it was a beautiful went, clip. <laughs> yes. And she said to me, Pendra, you taught me because there were so many times when I thought it's not going to work and I'm going to give up on this girl. You know, mm. well, not on me, but on the process. process and she it. said... You taught me not to give up. And I remember I was on so many psychiatric drugs for my fear and anxiety. And I was told this is for life. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you now I'm on no medication whatsoever. Ah, You know, so God is the authority. You know, the medical profession plays an enormously important role. But if we do not know God's word, if we do not understand spiritual warfare, if we do not understand ourselves you know people perish through lack of knowledge and if we do not take a chance on god and put all our cards on the table with him put our heart into his hands you know we will not know the supernatural miracles that can happen in our lives praise the lord but i want us to you know i really want you to share with us after we listen to philippine armed and dangerous she's one of our colleagues and she's one of my very special friends and this is exactly about the spiritual warfare that we wear it's called armed and dangerous you're going to love it it is absolutely one of my favorite tracks out there so let us listen to armed and dangerous and i really want you to share with us who was abba father from on this next section see um you know uh next uh yes time of your life so we're going to listen to armed and dangerous by philippine oh my lord i'm so happy for the song but let us enjoy we'll join you right right after this okay oh praise the lord i was dancing in the studio now she and i just feel so empowered after that song every time i hear it um, and <laughs> she is amazing i love her to bits uh tell me uh pendra thank you so much for being on the air with us this, this afternoon and uh, we're so privileged to have you and uh yes we want to know Okay, you when you got diagnosed with the cancer and then you got healed and you got, you know, with such an inspiration to everyone. But who has Abba been for you throughout all of this? And you can see yes. with your testimony that the Lord had his hand on you all along and the enemy Absolutely. knew who you were going to become. And he came with this boomerang disease to come and take you down and he didn't because God was in control of your life so just share with Mm. us just share with us yes and I think you know yeah I think about something came to oh I know you know what after the I got my first announcement of remission in 2014 and I only came to the Lord in 2016 so in that gap I blew up my life some more. You know, I didn't have the skills. My everything was gone. It just got worse and worse. But thankfully, I was taken to a um, restoration home in a place called Hopefield and exposed to a really sincere and outstanding mentor. You know, and mm-hmm. I re- I was so resistant to. Um, 
to go to a Christian place. It was a horrible idea for me. I really believed that my life would flatline. I mean, Christians are beige people, you know, so I was so reluctant, but I was also entirely out of options. And even when I was there, I thought that perhaps once I got out of there, I could do a world tour wearing a halo and somehow redeem myself, redeem my reputation amongst my Mm. peers. The pain of having destroyed my own life. And I was still in those days so reliant on uh, the admiration of and others, which thankfully the Lord has really dealt <laughs> Released with your in bed. me. And that is the greatest liberty. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, no more people pleasing, no more surrogate mummy's little helper all around the world, you know, and instead becoming you know, the Lord wants warriors in his army. He doesn't want wimps. And even if we are sick, we have the power of God within us as Christians. So I realized that the redemption tour was definitely not going to happen because the Lord's glory is at stake. And instead, you know, I needed to submit to his healing plan for me. He was going to take me into the wilderness and speak tenderly to me there, you know. And so I came to the Lord. I was offered the opportunity to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I had no idea what it was all about, but I said a big yes, and the Lord heard it. And I think from there, maybe the first start was that he was just my friend. I started, I stuck up Psalm 23, and when I struggled, I read Psalm 23, that in him I find all that I need. And I began to explore the Bible. I remember saying to my mentor um, at that time, Carla, I remember saying to her, what is this book? But I began to explore it, and I became, I was baptized, and of course, the Holy Spirit put a passion for God's mm. word in my heart. Mm. And he started to teach me. And I think one of the first things I had to put down was a victim identity. And although it's controversial, sickness can serve us. It can serve us to be a holding. It can conserve, it serves us to avoid responsibility. It brings people, people's eyes onto us. We get sympathy. You know, and I don't say that as um, arrogantly. I say that having explored that idea and that reality in my own life. So at some point, I had to make a choice. My first choice was to come clean with the Lord and to sit in deep times of conversation with him, sharing with him, yes, Lord, I was there. I chose him. I allowed him to hit me. Yes, Lord, I took the drugs. Yes, Lord, I left my marriage. And it was a process of repentance, a beautiful time in the throne room of God with the view of the promised land, you know, and the background music was angels. And I mean, I say that lightly, but truthfully, you Mm. know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And he, the whole process of sanctification is restoring us to the image of Christ, which is the image of the holy God. And I remember there were so many funny moments. And I remember, for example, my spleen starting to throb, which is where the cancer had been. And, of course, one's mind instantly goes to, oh, my gosh, here it is. 
it's back. back. And that's yes. what the enemy wants mm. because it's all about agreements. You know, yes, you, who side you. are you on in this battle? Mm. In Deuteronomy, it says, choose life or death, mm. blessings or curses. Mm-hmm. And so this would throb, and I at that time started to learn because I realized that that's what my life looks like. I know nothing. And I was reading a book by Benny Hinn about the power of the blood of Jesus, which has just been spoken about in that song. And so as my spleen throbbed, I said, I plead the blood of Jesus, because that's what it said in that book. It said, plead the blood of Jesus. I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I came to see that when my emotions were high, my body responded. But when I started to learn how to feel, how I developed a capacity for discomfort, I, I, I started not to be so afraid of my own internal world. And I started to take small risks to understand what I'm feeling the spleen would quieten down again completely. And I came to study and to learn and explore and learn more about the body and the limbic system. And the Lord led me to that. And Mm. how, you know, in an environment or through trauma, the habituated flight and flight, Mm. flight and flight that we're in and the over-secretion of cortisol, but Mm. mostly I just said yes and amen to God almost a thousand minutes, a million minutes a day Uh. because I made a decision to live and I knew that I wanted more and I wanted something to, I wanted my sister's life to value something, to be um, in my life. I wanted other women, well, no, not the reputation, the The representation of her life. Mm. Yes. I wanted my sister's life to have, not ended on a gurney in Victoria Hospital in the corridor. I wanted us both to stand up, these little girls, and say, Mm. there's more and we're going to claim it. And I wanted the birthright that the Lord had. So the passion for my sister's life gave me purpose. Mm. And with Carla, I learned, I learned about what is loneliness, what is love, you know, the cure to loneliness is loneliness. Love is not a feeling. Feelings are not facts. I went through the school, the wilderness school of the Almighty God. And it's painful healing because the Lord must take you back through the pain so that you feel the feelings through that were once repressed. And then that's put to rest. He healed my memories. He, he, he held me as I sobbed mm. buckets of tears and, and of course the tears mm. washed through the memories and I think mostly I sat in the word of God and I can say that for seven years and to this day I still do this I put the word of God in front of me and I pray it into my heart Praise and that's Lord. not about Beautiful. gaining knowledge my first motivation for that was the terror that I might choose to pick up a drug or alcohol again. Mm. So you're like literally addicted to, to your father. But not so much as addicted as dependent. Dependent, Just, fully I am surrendered. not going to go there. I and I, And I absolutely have no illusions that if I open that door, I've given a big yes to the enemy 
and the 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 end will not be pretty. Mm-hmm. So it was time of examining my beliefs, deep repentance, understanding the generational beliefs in my family, saying, Lord, come out of agreement with that right now. I stand in the gap. I come out of agreement with addiction, with cancer, mm-hmm. with indigence, with alcoholism, with murder. I repent on their behalf. I repent on my behalf. It wow. was a period of forgiveness. It was a period of starting to trust myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a period of starting to say no, testing that, saying, no, yes. I'm not going to do that, learning about boundaries. I love your it ministry's a, name, saying the, the Academy of Unlearning. Academy of Unlearning, <laughs> I love it. because that's the thing we're carrying. You know, when I walked out of that family home, I speak about a time bomb ticking, and on that beach that day in Durban, filming lions, as my eyes locked onto this man, well, oh. I pulled the pin out of the hand grenade. Yes. And it was just a matter okay. of time. And I can okay. truly say that I've seen the supernatural power of God. I can Praise truly say that he wants to heal us. I can and truly say us. that he loves us so deeply and that there is a promise, every one of those promises. Mm-hmm. But we need to choose him and invest time and get yes. this truth into our inmost parts and confess and repent and praise. And I think, you know, get out of bed no yes. matter what. And I'm not talking about something, yes. pain, but yes. to be able to discern self-pity and say, no, I'm on. not going down that road. And in the strength of Jesus, I get out of this bed today. And amen, I, amen, I, I, I choose... I choose, I choose to be a part of this life, yes. a, a testimony to the Lord. And it's for that reason that, you know, I learned to, my heart just started growing towards wanting to help others. Mm. I didn't even plan it, yes, you know, I kind of planned other things. But what okay. I, now I have ahead of me the opportunity, to, um, um, I've been invited to go and volunteer at um, Bridges for Peace in Jerusalem, Israel, and I'm busy fundraising to be able to activate that. And Fantastic. what a pleasure to be able to go well, and help the They Jewish can find people. you on Facebook, eh? So we can, yes, they, they everybody can find, can find you on Facebook and follow your journey. Yes, but thank you, yes. Pendra. Thank you, darling. It was such a pleasure to have you on my program and such an encouragement and so inspired by your journey. And you are so amazing. May the Lord just continuously use you mightily for his kingdom. And yes, family and friends, go and find your purpose and even in spite of all the pain that we go through. And we need to know that God has a plan before. We've even chosen him for us in our lives. So, Pendra, thank you so much. We will definitely keep in contact with you. And thank you for joining me this afternoon, family and friends. And go and be safe. Look after yourself. Stick to the rules. And we will see you next week, same time. And have a good, blessed Love to blessed you, week. Thank you, darling. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. We're going to play out with Chris Tomlin. Jesus loves me. Is this not so appropriate? And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.